You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'm going to be your bounty hunter in training host, (laughs) Abraham. And I'm going to be your fugitive on the run, please don't catch me host, Sheen. Gotcha. <laughs> well, you're in training, so it doesn't count. Ah, darn it. <laughs> Stay right there. I'm going to call my supervisor. <laughs> As you might have been able to tell from reading the title of the episode or from that little back and forth that we just had, we're talking about bounty hunters today. Yes, and there are so many cool bounty hunters to talk about. I wish that we spent more time talking about Boba Fett, but I feel like, you know, Boba Fett was one of those bounty hunters that is like he looks cool, but doesn't really do a lot of cool things in Star Wars. The new TV series that's coming out about Boba Fett might help really build the lore of his background. That yeah. uh, there was a lot of fans already, and now you just have you're going to have an awesome amount of of lore around Boba Fett that's that's will be considered canon. Well, and it's needed because like if you think about the first three movies, all he does is like catch Han Solo, eh, kind of. With the help of Darth Vader. So he needed Darth Vader to do that. And then he like ends up flying into a Sarlacc pit. So like that's all he's done. Like if you really think about it, he just looks cool in the original Star Wars movies. So and then there's the, the whole thing with the prequels where he's just a sad boy. <laughs> he does look fun. <laughs> that is true. All right, cool. Well, and I mean, he was fun also in uh, The Mandalorian. That's true. Seen that. That, yes. Yeah. So redeemable in, in Mandalorian. He did cool, cool stuff there. Yeah. All right. So real quick. As we're getting into this, online content regarding bounty hunting can be found at the most overtly awesome URLs out there if you are looking to getting into this business, which may or may not be a good idea. And we'll talk about sort of what things you may want to consider if this was the the path that you are on. Or if you just want to know how people do this, there is howtobecomeabountyhunter.com. All (laughs) those are separated by hyphen. Becomeabountyhunter.com. Uh-huh. And allcriminaljusticeschools.com. So the last one may be the most vague of the three. If you were like looking at it saying, is this a place where I want to go to be a bounty hunter? You might not tell just from the title. But most of the rest of them, they leave little to the imagination or liberal interpretation. It's really uh, you, you get what you see, I think. Like it's very on the nose. It feels like a very on the nose profession. Now, Shane, why might you want to be a bounty hunter? Well, Mostly you get to make your own hours. Like it's a, it's a pretty good gig for that. Now you can go find, go and find those, uh, those fugitive, those sons of bitches. Uh, and you don't stop until you get them. So there's like this really cool, like sense of accomplishment, I guess that goes along with it. There's a lot that goes into it, but I think that, you know, we should probably talk about why anybody would even go into this. Like what is the job description for bounty hunting? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the online, you know, when people say, Sign up now and work work for yourself. Work at home and and bounty. You can now now add bounty hunting to that list of the stay in your sweatpants, work at home type thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, other than Boba Fett and Dog the Bounty Hunter, uh, a criminal is charged with a crime and then ordered to appear in court at a later date. Instead of putting that criminal in jail, though, which can be costly and also have all kinds of legal implications. They can post bail and be released until the court date. And so they might either just languish in jail until the court date or someone might let them out of jail. 
to post bail, they might borrow money from a bail bondsman, which is kind mm-hmm. of a cool name. Yeah. And then they just a promise. They say, okay, I'm not going to be in jail because I don't want to be there. So I'm going to pay this person. I promise I'm going to come back. I'm going to show up to court. And the bondsman is, is obliged to pay on their behalf if not. And so the bondsman also is invested in this. Yes. And then naturally, if the criminal does not show up as promised and notorious at breaking promises. Mm-hmm. Some of them, obviously, there's a lot of people who do, but if they don't, then the bondsman is obligated to pay for the fact that the criminal wasn't there because the bondsman is the one who let them out of jail in the first place. Yep. And that makes the bondsman very angry. Mm-hmm. So as a result, the bondsman then goes to hireabountyhunter.com or <laughs> amazon.com search bounty hunter. Or LinkedIn. Yeah, go to LinkedIn bounty hunters. <laughs> I'm making up all of those. And they hire this bounty hunter to find, apprehend, and bring back the criminal who is costing the bondsman all this money. So that's what bounty hunting is. See you next time. Yep. That, yep. That's the whole episode. <laughs> Enjoy. Join our Patreon. See you later. <laughs> so that's the pathway to get to a bounty hunter. And a bounty hunter is going to be a private agent who is hired by a bail bondsman to track down fugitives and criminals for a fee or what's called a bounty. And sometimes they're called bail enforcement officers, bail enforcement agents, bail recovery agents, fugitive recovery agents, and all kinds of things. They actually prefer those names over bounty hunters because of the implications that go along with the term bounty hunter. Now, a key feature of bounty hunters is that they are hired as a mercenary. So these are mercenaries. They're people, they're hired guns, right? Mm -hmm. Of a sort. And interestingly, this means that they act outside of traditional legal constraints. This doesn't mean that they get to do illegal things. They still have to follow the law. Mm -hmm. Rather, they're allowed a slightly higher level of freedom and apprehension. Now, I was thinking initially when we were setting up for this, like, sure, they get, you know, they get a little more clearance than your sort of average citizen. More than that, I was really surprised to discover they get more clearance. They have more, I guess, that they're allowed to do than actual law enforcement officials. Uh huh. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, for instance, they don't have to read Miranda rights when they apprehend somebody, which, you know, if a citizen did that, that would be kidnapping. Right. Yeah. They can put in invasive surveillance tactics and they can enter someone's home without a search warrant or probable cause. This is crazy. So, they can basically say, see that house? I think that this guy's in there. Kick the door down. And they can do that and be like, see you later. Now, of course, there's liability and stuff that goes along with that. And they have to be kind of thoughtful and mindful of that. They can't just kick in every door they want to. But they're allowed to do that where police officers have to have search warrants to be able to apprehend somebody in a domicile. It's wild. I feel like this would result in all kinds of legal troubles going to trial. You would think so, but apparently it doesn't because they are there are like laws and regulations that allow bounty hunters to do that. Man, you know, it does kind of make sense that someone might be listening to this thinking, why don't they just use bounty hunters to go apprehend criminals then? And I think for one, they're expensive. This is a, a high risk job. Their lives are definitely at risk when they're hunting people who are known criminals. Uh-huh. That's one probable reason. The other, I think, and possibly more relevant, I'm not totally sure, but I really suspect that there is a legitimate concern about deputizing normal citizens to go after normal citizens. Part of the reason we have a functioning society is because we sort of decided we're not just going to put justice in the hands of individuals. We're going to go ahead and give an, a monopoly on force to one central agency of elected people. Uh-huh. And those are going to be people who then set up systems of governing that include things like 
agents and police officers and, and law enforcement groups. There's a lot to dig into on why that has been problematic and, and why there are concerns and how that has been used to enforce racist policies. And that's all very understandable. But there is also the, this is a very complex issue. Like it's just not black and white because we also don't want your neighbor to be like, you know, pull out a shotgun every time you offend them by looking sideways at them. Yeah. You do the whale eye to your neighbor and they're like, oh, you didn't. And then they burn down your house and they're like, that's civilian justice right there. Yeah. And like, that's not a world we want to live in either. So it's a complex thing. Well, that's why the Wild West didn't work. I mean, let's if you want to really get into all of that, like they would deputize citizens all the time. Billy the Kid, who was a known fugitive, was a deputized person at some point in time, hired as part of the regulators to capture people. So, you know, probably not a great thing to, to deputize every citizen. He also killed somebody. He killed he killed a sheriff or killed a deputy while he was deputized. And got away with it. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking is like when you give that kind of authority, like just imagine the kinds of people who are out there right now who are already operating as like predators. Uh-huh. And now you're like, oh, I'm going to give you like you can just, you know, sign this little thing or I, I can give you money. And now you get to be a predator for, you know, for for money. You know, that would become a problem. Like, let's go with, if Ted Bundy, you know, if we had the system in place where anybody could be deputy, you know, all, all citizens had the right to go out and sort of deputize their own social circumstances. Ted Bundy is going around just kidnapping and murdering people left and right uh-huh. because he's a predator. And because he's like been, been giving carte blanche authority to just do whatever he wants, then like his murder spree would have been unbelievable. And so that's another reason you just don't want to, dep- you don't want to have a system where people are responsible for enforcing laws, generally speaking. Right. Absolutely. And and also too, you want to have a system that actually makes sense for doing this if it is something that's necessary. So I think that's where, where we can kind of get into the history of bounty hunting, because within that, you'll find that there was a, a, a system that existed that was not helpful at all. So great segue. Sorry. I, I, went, I <laughs> yeah. went way down the rabbit hole in the diatribe. Yes. I think that's important to talk about. Like, this is like kind of like there's a reason why this exists within the kind of grand, like within a society that's kind of got all these different systems and structures in place. So, yeah. And this one does have a system. And yeah, as you said, it started in England. Take it away. Of course, it started in England. Everything started. Well, not everything started in England. Let's. let's <laughs> I mean, I'll take that back. So a lot of problematic <laughs> things started in England. We could say that. So bounty hunting began as an official practice in England during the 13th century, though it was likely to occur prior to that. And originally, when somebody committed a crime, they posted bail, but the bail wasn't putting money up. What they were doing was they were putting a person up. So they were just keeping them out of jail, basically. Like they had their own sort of like, oh, I'm going to watch this person. Don't worry, I got it. This is kind of what happened. So like somebody would commit a crime. They would steal somebody like, you know, they'd steal like a, they'd steal like a pig or something. Sure. And then they would be like, we're going to hang this person because that's because everything was like very reactive. Yeah. The accused would actually have someone designated to them as their custodian. Mm. So when they were accused, they would say this person was a custodian and this person was responsible for ensuring that the accused stood trial and faced the charges so that they, they, when they were going to trial, there was somebody that was responsible for saying, Hey, you're going to be there like a modern day bail bondsman. But instead of putting up money, if the accused did not attend, the bail or the person, the custodian could be hanged in their place. Whoa. That's quite a responsibility. Yeah. So it, it, the incentive was there to make sure somebody showed up. So they were very much like (laughs) you run away. I'm going to send people after you because I'm not hanging for you. Yeah, exactly. It was like, it was like, I'm not going to die for you. Or and like courts were like, somebody has got to die for this. That's right. That's probably why, you know, 
people were having such a hard time in England for a very long time. That's an odd system. I <laughs> yeah. just, I, I don't know. Anyway, this practice took place well into the 1600s. So it was a few centuries of the beginning of like sort of official bounties and that sort of thing. Yeah. So this practice took place well into the 1600s with the eventual passing of the Habeas Corpus Act through British Parliament. Now, instead of it being hanging people, there were there was financial transactions that that more or less made it, I guess, a, a, a more humane <laughs> practice. So what ends up happening is now this act is passed and now people can put up money instead of putting up people. So people aren't getting hanged. They're just kind of bankrupt. And this is actually kind of an interesting thing. Despite our screaming, the United States screaming of independence and freedom and tea sucks. Give me coffee. Despite all that, <laughs> the U.S. incorporated this act into their own constitution as the Eighth Amendment with further laws to help manage bail systems. So you'll see the Judiciary Act of 1789, the Bail Reform Act of 1966, and the 1984 Bail Reform Act that all act to kind of help regulate this particular arena of our litigation system. I don't know if it's worth us necessarily covering the the U.S. Constitution in this podcast at some point, but it's it's it is fairly short. I have I have a copy of it. Yeah, I've read through it, but it's been a while. I, I would like to. I, I don't think it's been since I was in college. I have the original. Do you? The very first. Uh, <laughs> There's a map on the back. Okay. <laughs> Said, Nicholas Cage, is that you? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I'm here, Abraham. <laughs> that was pretty good. We want to take his face <laughs> off. That was really good. I liked it. I, I, could, I could really see the cage shining through. Yeah, I have a lot of like Nick Cage quotes like buried deep in the soul. So get ready. <laughs> Not the bees! <laughs> wicker man all right so they're they're tattooed on your yeah on your subconscious it's my superpower that that's uh, oh, you no. know people have skills that's my skill is like being able to quote random ridiculous nick cage movies that's so fun mm-hmm. okay let's get into some darker territory <laughs> prior to the civil war many bounty hunters were called instead slave catchers Ooh, not good yep yep not yep, good yep. these people were contracted to find slaves who had escaped and then return them to their owners mm-hmm. upon return the bounty hunter was then given some nominal fee. Fortunately, this practice ended effectively with the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in 1865. Yeah. And so, yes, that was the thing. This was, in the prior instance, people were essentially, they were charged with the crime, they were waiting to stand trial, and then they escaped while waiting to stand trial, and so people would go bring them back. Mm-hmm. In this case, these are humans being treated as property, and that they were violating some rule about property when they decided, hey, I'm I'm a person, not a property, and I would like to be a person. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, nope, we're going to make sure you we stop that right in its tracks. So you can see where this is kind of where this is headed, where this could be a particular problem for people in general. So in the Supreme Court case, Taylor versus Trainter, 1873, it was determined that bounty hunters could be employed by bail bondsmen to track down bail jumpers. And this allowed bounty hunters to enter other states, though these rights have been trimmed down in the past few decades. During this time, we're going to call this kind of the Old West times. The Old West. And we should probably talk about that at some point in time, because during this time, things were a little bit aggressive, is a word I would probably use. Dangerous. Very dangerous during this time. Yes. 10,000 Ways to Die in the West. Mm-hmm. Not a great movie, but it was funny. It had, it had its moments. Yeah. You had mentioned Billy the Kid. It's important to note that during the U.S., expansion and genocide Mm -hmm. across this country law was pretty loosely enforced yep and that's why they call it the wild west you know they talk about this 
and you could literally murder someone because they joked about the size of your hat uh-huh. or they lied about how much your horse cost. And again, this was this was where there was not a monopoly on force by elected officials, by official agents, by law enforcement people, and that it was this sort of citizen's justice. But again, what that meant is the people who were the, had the shortest tempers and the most guns, they just got to do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And like, that's not a hierarchy really any of us really want to live in. No. It just turns into a crazy blood feud when you have a system like that in place. And it was not a good, a good system, not a place you wanted to be. And now we have Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of the states changed. Yeah. Most of them caught up, you know. So today, the profession of bounty hunting is uh, a little bit more regulated and will likely include non-lethal weapons like tear gas, batons, and tasers, which can be lethal for some folks, but yeah. for the most part are non-lethal to the majority of people. Some of these folks prefer not to be called bounty hunters, despite this sounding like the most awesome job title ever. <laughs> Rather, they prefer to be called bail enforcement agents or some variation like we mentioned earlier in the show. Now, as a note, if I were into bounty hunting, if I were in this prof- profession, and I didn't want to call myself a bounty hunter. I would just tell people I was. I worked in collections. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Collecting uh, tchotchkes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm far too nice to be a bounty hunter. I would like go in and be like, hey, man, come on. Yeah. Can we just get out of here? And they'd be like, they would feel so bad. I would just guilt them and be like, they'd be like, okay, Shane, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Let's, and we'd be like, okay, let's go. You know, and that's kind of how I, that, that would be my weapon of choice is, is you know, grief and sadness. Yeah. Guilt. <laughs> Catholic guilt. That's what I would bring to him. It might work once on somebody. Yeah. But uh, that's all I need. I need one bounty to pay off my student loans. That's it. One of my goals in life is to never have a, a gun pointed at me. So I try and avoid all situations in which that might be the case. And so bounty <laughs> hunting is very far off of the, the path of things that I would choose to do. I have already failed your goal. Yeah. I no <laughs> desire. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned now. Uh, just, just so we're really clear. If there are fans of the show and you're like, it'd be really funny if I like went up and did something that was referenced on the show, please don't point a gun at me because I said that I didn't want that. And you're like, yes. oh, ha, ha, it'd be so funny. There's a lot of things you could do and that are not that I'm like really officially begging and requesting you do not ever do that. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's not funny to me. It's not. Yeah, it's not funny. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Just make sure that's clear. All right. Anyway, what would make a good bounty hunter? I already said not me. We pretty much have established (laughs) I'm I'm not cut out for this sort of job. I might bounty hunt like uh, wild mushrooms growing in a forest. In that case, (laughs) not not really bounty hunting. I'm going to track down a zucchini real quick. Well, yeah. you know, and I think that's the thing. It's like, first of all, you can't have a bubbly personality, more than likely. In fact, if your personality is appropriate for a kindergarten classroom, we're going to guess that you're not great or cut out for this job. It takes a certain type of person to be able to like kind of run around the rings of criminal circles and stuff to do that. While I may have dabbled, I certainly don't. I'm not cut from that cloth. So many bounty hunters actually have some background in law enforcement, such as former police or private investigators. That makes sense. And there are associated risks like encountering weapons and and needing to apprehend a suspect requiring train that require training that would be abundant in those previous experiences. So it makes sense that folks that come from that kind of profession would get into bounty hunting or into this like kind of collections type of work. We don't have this included here, but I was thinking about the fact that another consideration probably is your size. You might be going after people of a variety of different body types. Mm -hmm. Some of them might be very large. Yes. You probably want to be 
fairly large just so that you are prepared for the worst of them. Now, maybe you choose to just not go after people that are that large. I mean, you certainly have a choice. You you have a choice in in bounty hunting contracts. <laughs> we're glad we're, we're glad you chose us yeah. today. <laughs> Thank you for choosing Florida bounty hunting. And so you may just make that choice, but I don't know. I feel like you just want to be mindful at least of sort of what you bring to the table in terms of, in terms of your overall sort of physicality and body features. Yeah. You probably want to be fit. You probably want to be in shape because you're going to have to chase people and run after people and restrain people. Like you're probably going to want to be in a situation like that. I have a, probably a pretty good body type for being a bounty hunter. I don't want to though. (laughs) Yeah. And I also don't have a body type for it. So anyway, there's another aspect of bounty hunting that is more or less makes some amount of intuitive sense to me, which is skip tracing. This is locating those who default on debt. So again, you get your collections element of this. This can include negotiation, surveillance, correspondence with various parties to obtain information. They must be able to review all elements of a principal's past from their general behavior to common financial moves and social acquaintances. These to me are like the Veronica Mars of bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sort of the PI, sort of just I- I'm going to get to know the information I need, and they're not necessarily throwing handcuffs on a person. I mean, they might be though. Yeah, they might be, but there's a large amount of detective work that goes into this. Like you have to be able to track people, trace people, find people, interview people, gather information, aggregate that information, synthesize that information, be able to pimp. There's a lot that goes into it. Sure. Now, one can be officially certified, which adds credibility to your name, but also prepares you with the necessary skills needed for things like skip tracing. Certification is available through the American Institute of Bail Bonding and Bail Enforcement and includes an exam. So, you know, we're we're board certified, so we have that. So, you know, bounty hunters got yeah. the same kind of process. Now the exact same process, in fact. You, yeah, you can't get board certified <laughs> as a bounty hunter through the BACB, just so everybody's aware. <laughs> now, once received, an individual receives a letter proving the training can be included on a resume or offered to potential employers or contracts and stuff like that. Part of your sort of uh overall resume you can include in there. I also am a bounty hunter. Yes. Like, just like everybody can say that they're People Magazine's Person of the Year for 2006. Sure. You can. (laughs) And then if you're working for like a dry cleaning company or a car wash, then your boss does not hire you because they're like, we don't need any law enforcement people here. Because (laughs) it's all a front. It's all a front. Heisenberg. Yes. Yes. Is that what the reference is? Okay. That was. It's been a long time. But in part, I was sort of joking that all dry cleaners are front and then referencing Breaking Bad with the car wash. So. All right. Oh, what a great show. It really was, honestly. It's so, so good. So what could one major in? You're going to college. You're like graduating from high school. You're like, mom, dad, I'm going to be a bounty hunter. And they just <laughs> sigh and shake their head. They're like, oh, God, when is this kid ever going to grow up? Anyway, so you are like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to enroll in my bounty hunting classes. What major will best prepare you for a life of bounty hunting? Well, it might not surprise you that criminal justice is going to be on that list. You're going to be flaunting some laws, but you got to know what those laws are that you're flaunting. Yeah. Psychology is on that list. That may or may not come in handy depending on what kind of psychology classes you end up in. Sociology and, of course, criminology. So you you get a, a relative smattering of both understanding sort of the systems that we have in place and a basic, if not somewhat flawed, understanding of human behavior. Yeah. So as you might imagine, there are probably some majors that don't really work well for the bounty hunting lifestyle. So stuff like turf management, art history, fashion design, theater and culinary arts probably aren't going to fly. That is 
Unless the person you're trying to track down lives on a golf course and is involved in the art theft underworld, wears Gucci, frequents Broadway, and makes a mean roast beef, then you are gold. So it's not not for you. <laughs> you just have a very specific demographic. <laughs> yeah, I was throwing all of those uh, all of those majors under the bus for understanding human behavior. That was like, I'll take back to a point. I do think they'll give you, <laughs> they're going to give you a way of looking at human behavior. And yes. there's that. And... <laughs> And yes. If you like if you were going to like get really good at it, you would get then going into a degree that specializes in that would be the probably uh, a way to go. But it, you don't necessarily need to as a bounty hunter. Like you need a sort of general orientation to it and maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. Yep. I I would I always advocate for that, but that's because that's what my degree's in. So. Yeah, absolutely. So biased. More training is is usually good. There are some skills that you're going to need to be a bounty hunter. You need to be able to whip out handcuffs really fast. You need to be able to spin <laughs> donuts in parking lots. Uh-huh. Use a boomerang. Yeah, you need to use a boomerang. You should be able to probably pick a lock, hotwire a car, kick hard enough to break a door off of its hinges. <laughs> if you can hulk out, that would probably help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the real skills include things like being able to conduct background checks. I don't know how to yeah. do that. I'm, I'm sure that there's like a way I could find out, but... You need to be able to research the criminal's past. Yeah. Being able to do basic surveillance stuff, remaining covert. So if you maybe are someone who's already done things like hunting or camping or Boy Scouts, then you might have some general idea of how to do some of these as well. If you have a spy shop or a place in your town, the local spyery, if you will, where you can buy <laughs> surveillance equipment. And, uh, I believe that, it's that. called an espionagerie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, espionagerie. Thank you. I like the idea that like uh, the reason we don't see more spy stores is because they're really good at what they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> There's actually a dozen in your town, but they are very they're well hidden. Ve yes, they are very difficult to find. That's why they keep going out of business is because nobody can find <laughs> That's them. That's right. They just go under every week. <laughs> it's like nobody can find us. We are so well hidden. Interview techniques. You need to be able to interview people and actually get truthful information and know how to read people because sometimes people, you know, have pretty decent tells for when they're not telling the truth. I would make the argument you need some crisis management strategies when because when things go yes. wrong, you need to be able to kind of keep a cool head and manage things. Probably some self-defense tactics, you know, like the idea that like if somebody is going to pull a gun or a knife on you, how to like make sure that you don't get stabbed or shot might be good to have in that repertoire. I really think that, uh, and going in along with the crisis management, basic CPR and first aid yeah. is stuff you're going to want to know. Like, if you're bounty hunting someone and they die when you're in the midst of apprehending them, you are in some serious trouble. Yeah. The government does not like competition. Nope. So <laughs> <laughs> they, will, they will come after you. Also, like, it's illegal to kill people in most places. And probably not a good habit to get into. Yeah. I mean, you, I, you wouldn't want that on like, your conscience. I mean... Now in Florida and Texas, of course, there's different rules, but yeah, we most most of the time we don't you, you don't want to kill people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, these are the new age wild west here. You know, another couple of things to be good at if you're a bounty hunter include being able to navigate general verbal confrontations. If you can de-escalate a situation so you can safely apprehend someone, like Shane said, you just go in there and guilt them. <laughs> That's going to be a much safer situation than if you are if you go in guns blazing. When you surprise and scare people, like they're going to retaliate. They're going to act as if they're back to a corner, and people back to a corner are desperate. And people who are desperate will do anything. So, like, don't put yourself in that situation. If you can be like, "Hey, look, this is a situation. Like, we're not going to escape. 
if it's not me, it's somebody else. Let's just make this easy so that none of us end up in danger. Like the last thing anyone wants is that this end in some tragic event where there's a big shootout and a bunch of innocent people get hurt and people who may have spent a little time in jail for what they did end up dying. And that's just unnecessary. And maybe they're like, you know what? That's right. It's not worth it. Yeah. But if you go in their guns blazing and tensions are high and there's not a moment to reflect on the actual situation, then then accidents happen. Yeah. Which actually brings me to weapons training. You should know how to safely navigate weapons I personally wouldn't want to use any. Exactly. But yeah, but then again, that's why I'm a terrible candidate for this. I generally would think, sort of as the thing you were going to say, and I, I rudely interrupted you, but you probably want to avoid having to use weapons at all. But if you did have to use them, you don't want to accidentally hurt yourself or somebody else or unintentionally, again, kill or seriously injure the person you're trying to apprehend. Right. Well, and keeping in mind at the end of the day, the person that you're trying to apprehend is already on the run. If you are getting called in, it's because you are chasing somebody who already doesn't want to deal with you. So they're already trying to get away from you. So when you find them there, it's not like they're going to be like, oh, you got me. It's going to be a confrontation. It's going to be high stakes at that moment in time. So you're going to want to have all the skills that you can to prevent that from getting worse. It's already going to be bad. I like that cartoon image. Oh, you got me. I would have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for this meddling bounty hunter. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, oh, you win this round. It's like, (laughs) okay, whatever. Like that's, but you know, that's ultimately what, that's what's going on, right? Like the person's on the run already. So you want to try to make that as easy as possible for everybody. And, And having those other skills, like the understanding basic psychology and interviewing and like all those things, like those deescalation strategies are going to really matter. Absolutely. Now, We should talk about laws because we are talking about people that operate outside of those laws or at least operate within a certain set of laws that are not available to us as citizens. So we pulled some information from understandingbailbonds.com. So again, uh, a little bit on the nose. And if you're going to go snooping into other states nonsense, then you best be prepared with knowing how deep you can go and with what army you and what army this army. Here we are. Perfect. So we're going to cover some of the bounty hunting laws by state. Now, one thing that's interesting before we get into this, we're talking about the states in the United States. We have plenty of listeners who are outside of the United States. And so you might be wondering, what about bounty hunting laws in other countries? Don't worry. I got you covered. There are none. This is illegal in everywhere except the United States and the Philippines. So of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Welcome to the United States. So because of that, we're not going to talk about those other countries. We've accomplished that. Well, we're not going to dig into them any further. There's nothing to talk about. It's illegal. Mission accomplished. Wow. Let's, oh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was really curious going into this, and I and I was, I was, I was a little surprised. All right, so let's talk about the states, because it, it will vary state by state. Some states require that you have a license to be a bounty hunter. You got your cool little license, you got your certificate on the wall of your office that says licensed bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And they have different rules. Some will forbid physical hunting in place of an old school investigation or tracing bank accounts. So some of them, they're like, you can bounty hunt, but you're not actually going after somebody. You're just sort of aiding in the investigation. Yeah. As, as much as that includes. So you may be asking, if I'm going to be a bounty hunter, which states are am I going to have the most fun in? And let's go ahead and just start with Alabama and California, shockingly. Two states that are incredibly fun (laughs) to be a bounty hunter. Yeah, apparently. Diametrically opposed in every single way. But let's go ahead and talk about this. So in Alabama, you can pursue on behalf of a bondsman anywhere in the state, but must carry a copy of the bond. 
Don't mix it up with that southern barbecue takeout menu. You want to keep make sure there those you're on the up and up there. Yeah, the barbecue menu from the the restaurant, the Bond. Bond BBQ. Woo wait. <laughs> now the principal, the one being pursued, must be surrendered to the sheriff of the county of the jurisdiction. So basically, wherever you capture them, you can chase them all over the state, but whatever county you're in, they have to be surrendered to the sheriff of that county. So by fun, we mean the least regulated and most insane, and probably the most dangerous. Yeah. In California, you must be at least 18. So apparently that's not a rule in Alabama, which is particularly alarming. I like the idea of like a 14-year-old bounty hunter. It's like, right. hey, hey, mister, I like your shoes. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So in California, you must be 18. You cannot have any prior felonies. Again, makes me worried about Alabama. It would be ironic, though, someone who's like a felon hunting a felon. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, they would know. That's true. They know all the tricks. It's like when therapists are like, oh, if you if you want to be a good therapist, you should go to therapy so you can be on the other end of it. Like that's maybe that's what the method is. California seems to be forward thinking as far as that goes or Alabama does. Maybe. Yeah, that's also kind of vaguely the plot of The Rock. Uh, speaking, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Nick Cage, Michael Bay prison storyline. It's so good. Yeah, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. See, I got one from that one, too. That's <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole scene in there. <laughs> it's the whole thing when he's hanging upside down. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I take pleasure in gutting you, boy. I take like, pleasure in gutting you, boy. Like he does it several times in different inflections. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Which I actually think was them just shooting the scene, and he was trying out how he wanted to say it, and uh-huh. uh, and they just all made the cut. <laughs> Michael Bay was like, "Keep it," and yeah. then blow something Great. up. Yeah, that's right. Make sure there's a flag in that picture, in that shot. <laughs> in California, you must notify local law enforcement no more than six hours before going on the hunt. Okay. So, yeah, that's part of it. Let's consider it. Very kind of them. You cannot forcibly enter the premises. It does change there. And you cannot carry any badge, and you must carry proof of the completion of your training. So you just whip out your little wallet with all your, your stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You must carry proof of the completion of their training. Said the serial fraudster to the bounty hunter, do you have your papers? <laughs> I like the idea of like somebody fraudulently making bounty hunting credentials so they could hunt somebody down. Like, you know, somebody's done that. Oh, man. And like just the most niche business ever. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I manufacture f- uh, fraudulent training papers for bounty hunters in California. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. What? Yeah, I feel like it doesn't pay off that well. Now, yeah. there are some states that you are allowed with no training or licensing. So just put on your worst mullet wig and get the hell out there, buddy. Go ahead and find these people. So if you are in Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Montana, Nebraska, Rhode Island, and Wyoming, you can bounty hunt without any any sort of regulation. With reckless abandon. I mean, maybe not no regulation, just no licensing. So, yeah, different regulation. Yeah. There are some places in this country where it's banned entirely. So it's not 100% legal in the United States. In D.C., if you fancy an agenda where that's a state. (laughs) Yeah. In Illinois, Kentucky, North Carolina, Oregon, South Carolina, and Wisconsin, it's also banned entirely. So there's a few places I noticed that Florida and Nevada were not on that list where you and I are. Yeah. Our team also includes Illinois, New York, California, Washington, Washington, Michigan, Texas, Michigan, Texas. Yeah. So that's our, that's our whole team. So it looks like Selena cannot, but you and I can. That's right. And we're not gonna. And Alan can too. That's right. And Brit. 
Man. Ah, uh, why we so, do what we do? We're starting a new service line, by the way. <laughs> that's right. Vegan bounty hunting. <laughs> Vegan bounty hunting. <laughs> Cruelty free bounty hunting. We're gonna call it crunchy granola bounty. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna find all the all the cauliflower you want. I'm gonna steal actually we'll steal the title of that one brand. It's it will be called Nature's Bounty. I think that's a toilet paper brand. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Nature's Bounty. Nature's Bounty. Vegan bounty hunting. That's so funny. <laughs> Come out here. I'm gonna make you eat tofu. <laughs> I love that. Like we're just hunting for people. Like we're just hunting for good recipes. We're hunting for vegan <laughs> restaurants that like don't suck. Yeah, that's right. And finding the ones that do. <laughs> and shutting them down but we can't find them because uh, you know every vegan is like super stoked about every vegan restaurant ever because it just just by the, the fact that it exists is yeah, a, is a miracle right. it flies in the face of god that a vegan restaurant does exist <laughs> it's a low bar to clear for most of them <laughs> right? so all right uh you might be wondering what's in it for the bounty hunter as i said it can be expensive and man can it be expensive so how much money can you make per job shane so for any job, a reward can be up to $50,000 or more for returning a criminal back to the jurisdiction in which they were wanted. So that's fun to think about. So I want to I want to stop for a second and think that think about that. So if I'm bounty hunting and I'm bounty hunting across state lines, if I have to do that, then I have to return that person back to the state and the jurisdiction in which they are wanted. So that means that when I apprehend this person, that I also have to travel with that person, that I have to carry that person with me, that I have to make sure that they are fed and safe the entire time. I can't let them starve and, and pee their pants on the way. So that's kind of an interesting thing, too. Like, they got to get back to where they're wanted. Now, early profits are likely much lower when we talk about per job. You might have five hundred to $5,000. For reference, Dog the Bounty Hunter makes a ton of money because he has a house in Hawaii, and you don't. So that tells us all about how much he makes. I imagine some of that's like the History Channel money that he's on or whatever that's show right. he's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really just an actor. Yeah. All right. So let's tackle a few famous bounty hunters. Way cooler than Dog, but not as cool as Boba Fett. No offense, Dog. Well, some offense. Yeah, some offense. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk John John of the Priests. John Maloney, maybe Maloney, maybe Maloney, uh, was arrested for horse theft and was given a choice. Die by hanging or become priest hunter which <laughs> is such a good name for a band that oh. is oh man we got another one another good band named priest hunter all right <laughs> when i go to a show and i see a band called priest hunter i hear that i hear like uh, just a good death metal band like duh, 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 yeah. duh, duh. this is fast he was yeah. primarily hired to track down catholic priests who refused to follow the 1709 penal act which required priests to take an oath of abjuration and recognize the Protestant queen as the head of the church of England and Ireland. That's a big deal. Yeah. This is a whole despot thing going on in here. Yeah. When it comes to this stuff, there was a lot. I mean, we probably one day could get into the crusades and all the kind, all the things that happened with the church and like all the offenses that go on, because there's a lot of blood that's been shed in the name of this particular conflict, man. It's a lot. It's intense. There's a lot. He would be paid 100 pounds for the capture of clergy folks when he when he got them. And it is said that his favorite method to capture these quote-unquote fugitives would be to fake being on his deathbed and then pull a weapon on the priest. That's so mean. He's so like, mean. <laughs> totally playing into the fact that they're like there to, to help him. He's like, uh, I'm dying. And they come in to say the last rise. And he's like, freeze. <laughs> See, I was thinking it was like when they talk about Ragnarok with Thor and how Loki turns into a snake and bites him. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like yeah, that. Where he's yeah, like, yeah, oh, he's going, come closer. Come closer. Gotcha. 
And it's like, just like, <laughs> not nice. It's just not nice. Yep. John the Priest was, was eventually killed. He was stabbed during the act of trying to kill the last Catholic priest in his parish. So fight to the death. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they, the, the Catholics didn't like him very much. So they tossed his body into a lake. Yep. They just sort of, the lo- local Catholics there just sort of threw him in there. Like, done with you. Hopefully this was not a drinking lake or a swimming yeah. lake. Give that time frame. It probably was. It probably was both of those things. If you know anything about the Black Plague, like, yeah, it probably was. It was drinking, swimming, and pooping lake, and yep. also a place for disposing of bodies. And that's yep. why we have those diseases. Yeah. So, uh, fun little after the fact, his body was retrieved and buried in an unmarked grave. And there's a tree near his grave that doesn't grow or doesn't like bear fruit or anything. Like, it doesn't have any leaves. It like never fruits. It's like a pretty much a, just a dead tree near his grave. So, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. That should be the, the picture of the album of Priest Hunter's first album is yeah. the, the picture of the tree on an unmarked grave. That's yeah. so metal. So metal. And then definitely in black and white, high contrast. And then, yeah, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. And then you can't read the, of course, like in the metal logo where you can't actually read the name of the band. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Spelled out in the tree branches. Spelled out, yeah. (laughs) Nailed it. There we go. It's our idea. We're writing a, we're writing a black metal record and never seeing each other in person to do that. So, because that's what black metal (laughs) musicians do. Copyright why we do what we do 2021. (laughs) Another famous one was Thomas Tate Tobin. Big fan of alliteration. Him and his family, somebody was. And in <laughs> 1863, Tobin was tasked with tracking down the Espinosas, three men who went on a killing spree in retaliation for the, for deaths that occurred in the Mexican-American War. They killed more than 30 people in their spree. Now, Tobin was hired because the U.S. was unable to actually track and capture the Espinosas, and he was given 15 men to track them, to track the Espinosas, and, but he opted to go alone. He just walked into the woods, and he's like, I got this. Now, when he was asked about the ex- expedition, he didn't give any details. He simply replied, eh, it went so-so. And then he tossed a sack to the asking group, which contained the severed heads of the Espinosas. Gross. Wow. This guy's not really a hero. No, 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 no. He's not somebody you cheer for. Let's say that. Yeah. What I got out of that story was like the logistics. Like, okay, so like he definitely like killed these guys and cut their heads off, but then he had to carry those heads with him and it reminded me of that movie eight heads on the duffel bag where they like start singing and talking to the guy yes deep cut love that yeah good movie yeah, it's a great i movie. imagine it holds up i don't know i haven't seen it in a really long time but yeah don't hold us to that let's watch it first and see if there's any if there's anything problematic besides the fact that it's a hitman with death with heads yeah joe pesci and i think seth green very very funny at least i remember it being very funny it could be terrible now yeah a very literal title <laughs> yes that definitely gives away the plot of the movie Patrick Floyd, Pat Garrett, or I guess he went by Pat. This name might be familiar as Pat Garrett, supposedly the man who killed Billy the Kid. In November 1880 in Lincoln County, New Mexico, they got a new sheriff in Pat Garrett. He was immediately tasked with tracking Billy the Kid with a reward of $500 for his capture. Over time, Billy's gang was tracked and killed one by one. So Garrett's on a, on a killing spree right now. Uh-huh. Until Garrett finally got to ambush Billy and shoot him killing him with one shot mm-hmm. real quick sidebar i'll just say i know there's a, a movie on netflix that sort of shows it wasn't this story but it was something kind of like this that took place in maybe like the 20s or something from the perspective of the, of the thieves and like it's kind of messed up they're like like yes they did illegal stuff and yes they're like it's understandable that they would want to bring them to justice but they just like straight up blow them away with yeah. like all the firepower and it's like they definitely deserved at least a trial <laughs> You know, and arguably, like when you get into like kind of the Billy the Kid story, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on, like 
Billy kept kind of getting into the like it's one of those stories where he kind of get, keeps getting back into the the lifestyle and ends up killing people every time he does mm, and it goes back it. and forth like it is very much so like Billy the Kid was not an angel by any means he was definitely killing people yeah. too so it was like one of those things though where it was like agreed like it shouldn't have been an eye for an eye it should have been that he was he got a fair trial but he was like ambushed and shot and killed in the middle of the night yeah yeah what so i don't know it's complex i guess now apparently garrett refused to collect the bounty because the bounty for was for capturing the kid not killing him and so even though he could have potentially collected it he he didn't mm-hmm. he chose not to plot twist though some of the those conspiracy minded among us think that garrett actually staged the entire thing and helped billy who was an old bar friend of his helped him escape so, and there was some evidence that suggests that this might even be the case. And some might argue that it's compelling enough to suggest that it's likely the case. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Hard to say, but that's, that's at least what the story is. Yeah. Interesting stuff on that, on that front. I thought that was cool. You've also got Ralph Papa Thorson. So he reportedly captured 12,000 fugitives in his career, which is pretty impressive. Papa is known for his unique hunting methods, which included using astrological charts to locate criminals, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Uh, Uh, But, you know, whatever. He was also fond of non-lethal forms of apprehension with a self-designed non-lethal weapon called the Prowler Fowler. And this fired buckshot filled beanbags at fugitives. So that sounds like it would hurt. Now, yes, there's a theme here. So far, none of these people have survived. Papa Thorson is no different. In 1994, he was killed in a car bomb accident, which is assumed to be the result of his many making so many enemies throughout his career. Twelve thousand fugitives. You're you're bound to piss somebody off. Now, yeah. Also, as a side note, just some perspective taking. If you shot me with a beanbag, I'd probably hold a grudge. I don't know that I would blow up your car, but I would definitely not like take that lightly, and we would definitely not be friends. Like I, I would probably, if you tried to find me on Facebook and add me, I probably wouldn't add you. This reminds me of the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. 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 I was just trying to do the math. I was like, man, if he he would have, if he would have to have catched ten a month every month for ten years to get to twelve thousand. Yeah, that's Maybe so he did. many. That's prolific. All right, let's talk about Domino Harvey, the daughter of Lawrence Harvey and Pauline Stone. She was considered an oddball for she preferred martial arts and action figures instead of the more stereotypical quote unquote girl stuff she was expected to like. And that's been, people have been this way throughout all of human history because gender norms are arbitrary and uh-huh. nonsense and not all people fit into them and they change over time. And anyway, that was, that was the thing. And she was also kicked out of boarding school for being, of course, quote unquote, unladylike. Mm-hmm. So she already kind of rules and I'm rooting for her right now. Yes, for sure. She dropped out of school to pursue a career in modeling, but then decided bounty hunting was way cooler. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and her primary focus was drug dealers and thieves, but she would occasionally take on the, you know, the murderer who's out on the loose as well. Yeah. Domino Harvey was particularly known because she was born to celebrity parents. And so that's why she was like such a big, like an important figure within this. And she was highly successful and really good. She unfortunately passed away due to drug overdoses, but she, first of all, has the coolest name of all the bounty hunters we talked about. Yeah. Domino Harvey is the coolest name. And also... Sidebar, modeling is arguably more dangerous than bounty hunting. That's fair. If you go into like the sadistic history of of, of modeling, if you think about it. Uh, yeah, and, and that's totally fair. I just uh, was, I was trying to make a joke. It may or may not landed. We also have, there's some fictional famous ones. The one that popped into my mind as we were sort of talking about this topic was from the movie Django Unchained with Dr. King Schultz, who is a bounty hunter. 
helps train Jamie, Fo- Jamie Foxx's character Django to also be a bounty hunter with him sort of help him with his bounties. Yeah. Because that was like the main driving plot of so much of that movie. It made me think of it when we were talking about this topic. And arguably we all know that Quentin Tarantino's movies are incredibly accurate depictions of historical events. Yes, definitely. I believe that, you know, Hitler died by being shot up in a fire in France. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Another quick thing is, of course, we mentioned a little bit Dog the Bounty Hunter and we've brought him up, I think, sufficiently. Boba Fett's and more fictional ones. Uh-huh. There were le- legitimately bounty hunters out looking for Brian Laundrie when that case was going down in the United States. For all of the considerations that are about that case, we're not going to get into it. But there were some bounty, I believe, some bounty hunters on the lookout for him. And they supposedly were tracking him and knew kind of around where he was. Okay. That was one of the things that had us talking about bounty hunters to begin with mm-hmm. was what was going on at the time before that all sort of met its its resolution. There's not really much more to cover. Do you want to get into take home points about bounty hunting? Yeah, I think I don't know if this fits in take home points, but I think just speaking to what you might consider when we and when we ask why do people want to do this? And there's, I think, a few pieces of motivation that have sort of been more or less themed in here. And so just to like say it really clearly, I think that the obvious one is money. This can be a relatively high paying gig. And so it, it's something where you don't necessarily need to go. You don't, you're not working at it like a cubicle. You're not, you know, working, you, you get to work for yourself. There's a little bit of liberty and freedom in that. So I think that there's, there's money as, as a thing, there is money that is also comes with relatively few strings like you would maybe experience in a corporate office. I think that for some people, this, there is a challenge in here. They challenge themselves. Yeah. There's sort of, there's the thrill of the hunt and solving puzzles and doing detective work and sort of tracing the clues. And I think that that's sort of a motive for, for many people as well. And, and I also think that in here, you just have a, a, there are some people who value maybe what they consider to be justice. Mm -hmm. And so for them, it's about having the system work. Yeah. That's one, one thing, one reason they might pursue this. And if you're not catching on the the theme here, it does depend on the person, like what their sort of motives are. But these are some sort of common threads I see involved in why you might choose to take this on. Another, of course, is that you might have a personal story about some somebody who got away. And so you're sort of seeking a vengeance, if you will. Yeah. Looking for a vindication. So what again, what you see as maybe fairness or even maybe equity or is on is on the table for you and looking for these fugitives because you maybe have been wronged or someone you, you loved was wronged and one of the situations and the person got away and you felt like yeah. I'm never going to let that happen again. There's a whole host of reasons. I mean, and when you get into the idea of like the amount of training and the amount of skill it's required, I mean, it's reasonably low response effort compared to other professions. So you can make a pretty decent amount of money for uh, not so much training compared to other professions. I mean, I'm not saying that there's no training involved. What I'm saying is like, you know, for us to do the jobs that we do, we had to go to school for, for many, 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 many years. Somebody who is getting into a bounty hunting profession probably doesn't require as much schooling and maybe require some certification, some licensure and some additional kind of like specialized training, but not nearly as much as some other folks or other professions. Yeah, I think sort of the the three pieces of this that are the, the main parts of the recipe are that it is there's some sort of payoff for you. Oftentimes there is a value in particular that you have that's important to you and that the payoff is you get in being in alignment with that value as well as potentially a tangible outcome and the amount of effort that's involved. And so those I think are if you think, you know, if it's I value what this is, I get something out of it and it's not hard. 
And like with those three things in in mind, then that I think can really drive someone to it. Yeah. You could add in there the risk factors, but I just think for some people that's not that relevant. <laughs> right. So that could or could not play a role in here. But that's more or less what I had on sort of just really, I think, succinctly packaging it up into its uh, its little components. But yeah, let's let's make sure we really hit these take-home points. One I think is the bounty hunting, skip tracing, collecting person searching for persons. These are individuals <laughs> who are tasked with apprehending folks who skip bail. The vast majority of it. There were others that were yeah. like not quite that. But for the most part what it looks like is people bailing on their bail and they're on, they go on the run and they owe a hefty fine or money to a bondsman. That's just kind of what it is. And I think if you walk away knowing that at least you know more than I did coming into yeah. this topic. Yeah, that's like the primary arrangement for bounty hunters. That's like that's kind of where it starts. Now, while early practices involved far more radical and dangerous methods, today the occupation is regulated and even requires licensure in certain states. It's illegal in other countries, which I learned, even though I helped write these notes, I learned that during this episode, so that was fun. <laughs> and the necessary trainings are offered to those interested and can help one do their job safely and successfully. So there are resources for folks that want to do this and do this well. Although bounty hunters have more liberal tactics than their police counterparts, they still maintain effort to apprehend their targets safely violence is not the answer it is very high risk for them i think really just that's the, the main thing is like they do have more i would say freedom but they, they just have they're more um they're less restricted in their tactics but that also raises the stakes for them and so they have to be safe yeah absolutely and then finally don't skip bail if you get arrested and you do something go to trial just go through it like you got to go through the process you never know when you're going to end up on a reality tv show as a target of a particular bounty hunter with uh large arms and a bad haircut i do think there's a large conversation to unpack about like when countries particularly in like authoritarian countries they go after what they might call an undesirable and this is a political dissident who we would actually think of as being sort of a freedom fighter a civil justice fighting warrior type person and those person people we want to be on the side of generally speaking is people who fight against their authoritarian governments and and i think that's that could be a good thing and so in that case like it's not always gonna be black and white that's not the topic of what we're doing today so we're gonna not unpack that here but I also just wanted you, the, our listeners, to know that that was something that we are considering and talking about this. We understand it's not black and white. This is a complicated issue with many facets to it. And today we explored the bounty hunting facet. This yes, is gonna, absolutely. Our, going to our law enforcement suite of episodes, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll be able to tag this and then you'll be able to listen to a whole host of stuff around this particular topic or uh, topics like it. Also, I'm adding political prisoners to our list of topics to eventually cover. Ooh. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else either. I think that covers it. Perfect. Let's get into some recommendations. Let's do it. Recommendations. So my recommendation is a video game. I enjoy video games every now and again. I am not somebody who enjoys video games that are that take a long time and are highly complex. I like them to be less stressful and just kind of like for passing the time like it feels good to do that so my recommendation in this one is a game called animal crossing new horizons it is literally the most wholesome game that's ever existed <laughs> cool well mostly there is like a nefarious under theme uh, like undertone and i'm gonna get to that in a second so basically the premise of the game is is that you are a human being that moves to an island with a bunch of anthropomorphic animals and they are kind of like they're your neighbors. And so you move in and the first day you move in and you put a tent on this island and it's an uninhabited island. And then you learn to kind of like forage and build things. And like there's no 
time limit. There's no like goal of the game except for to just kind of always just like learn new things and interact with people and gather materials. The thing that kind of like weeds its way in is is capitalism is like the villain of it <laughs> because there is this guy who like makes you take out loans to build a bigger house and you have to pay him, but you're stuck on the island. You can't live anywhere else. It's, it's kind of this weird thing. Huh. So uh, Tom Nook, Tom Nook is a villain. Okay. Interesting. But it's a lot of fun because like you can go to other islands, you can fly to other islands, you can get on a boat, you can you can catch sea creatures and you don't eat them. You kind of like donate them to a museum because there's a museum with art and fossils and bugs and fish. And it's just a really good, fun, wholesome game. Like there is like literally no goal but to just enjoy yourself. That actually sounds really fun and really enjoyable. And I would I would love to check it out. I think you would genuinely enjoy it. I think I would too. I tend to like the sort of big sandboxy games too. Yeah. I like big complex stories as well, but I can really appreciate what, what it sounds like is brought to the table with animal crossing. I do wonder if Tom Nook is an anagram for something. I was trying to figure it out. I was like, does it spell it Jeff Bezos, maybe backwards or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He's been the kind of a villain in all of them where he's like always trying to make money. He owns the Island and you have to pay him to renovate. Got it. Mm-hmm. maybe elon musk i don't know yeah anyway he's, yeah he's up there my recommendation is the new movie dune uh, i've been on a I'm movie so kick lately yeah i i'm so excited to watch this I, I was putting it off because i was reading the book again this is my second time reading it and i wanted to go into it being once again more familiar with the story it's a, it's a big story there's a lot that's in it and i just loved it i thought the movie was really really good from the perspective of the book, it moves really fast. Okay. But they do everything. Like it makes so much sense. It's very faithful to the book. They like cut some things down. They, you know, move some stories around a little bit. They maybe, you know, truncated a transition from this to this, but it is really, really close. And I thought they handled it just masterfully. And I thought the acting was good. I thought the story was good. The visuals were stunning. It was really, really just a masterclass in in some really good world building. And so I love it. I highly recommend it. I'm very excited for the second part to come out, which I uh, this so that this one covers not the entire Dune book. It covers most of it, or I guess like yeah. over half of it. Yeah. The next movie I think is supposed to cover the other half of the book or what's left of it, and then possibly into some of the sequel. I'm not sure how far they want to go with it, but if they even just cover the second half of the book, I think it was a good call. Yeah. It does end somewhat abruptly because it kind of cuts off in the middle of the story. I felt like it did feel like a satisfying ending for what it was. I've been, I've really enjoyed it. I'm actually going to watch it again before it goes off of HBO, which is soon, possibly even it's gone by the time this comes out. So if you maybe need to rent it, I'd still would, would call it a, a strong recommend. Yeah. I like that. It's on my list for today. I hope I didn't just say recommend that was not on purpose. I don't think I you did. did. Okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're good. Sure. Okay. I forgot to, to to start with this. So I just want to make sure that we're clear that if you would like to support this podcast and you get access to a whole bunch of goodies, including we're going to be setting up our merch store very soon. We have videos of us recording, which is really fun. You get access to our episode notes, early access to episodes. There's all kinds of goodies that come with it. You can join us on Patreon. There's a super special VIP elect group of amazing people that have so far joined us. And that includes... And special thank you to sh- and shout out to our crew of uh, over on Patreon, Amanda, Kathleen, Justin, Justine, Kim, Costia, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, and Shauna. Thank you guys so much for your continued dedication to helping us do this and this job that we love so much. For sure. We, we, are, we are forever in your debt. 
And I would also, of course, like to thank our team, the people who really make help this podcast happen. You would not be able to understand anything that happened if it were not for the wonderful, magical workings of Justin, who does our audio engineering, as well as the rest of the team who have many roles. I'm not going to list them all, but Amber, Britt, Selena, Kyle, Allen, and of course you, Shane. Special shout out to Shane and Allen for their preparation on today's notes on bounty hunting. Oh, thanks. Of course. I appreciate that. Thank you, listeners, because also without you, we would not have this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about this, then you can certainly go to our website, www.wwdpodcast.com. I also realized on the last episode, I call their website www.wwd.com. That's not correct. I don't know where that'll take you, but it won't take you to our website. That's true. If you would like to tell us about being a bounty hunter, because that's who you are if you've hired bounty hunters if you would like to tell us about movies or video games that you like or you have some very strong opinions about boba fett or you're in a band called priest hunter i would really like to talk to you please reach out to us you can contact us at info at www.wwdpodcast.com you can also reach out to us on all the social media platforms we're very active on instagram twitter think still facebook to some extent i mean you'll talk to different people depending on where you go but at wwd wwd podcast is the handle for those and i think that is all i have thank you and anything else for you shane nope that's it all right perfect then we are out this is abraham and this is shane see ya you've been listening to why we do what we do why we do what we do is supported in part by our amazing patrons thank you if you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. (laughs) 